It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. It's the Custard TV podcast uh, with your friends from the Custard TV dot com. Uh, I should say that I'm Luke, and I should say that he's Matt. Hello, Matt. Hello, Luke. How are you? I'm I'm just feeling at a bit of a loss. Oh, really? Well, we're Gabby-less. Oh no. I wonder why we have more food than we normally have. I know. I've, I've almost got half a whole bag of uh, Cadbury's mini fingers uh, here. Yeah, aren't he you devouring on. some yeah mini fingers yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Has he gone off to hunt down Paul McKenna with an air rifle this week? Is that what I think doing? so, yes. Uh, they're going to live on an island together and it's, you know, <laughs> one of them will, only one will survive. Gary, Paul McKenna and Miranda Hart on an yeah. island together. I don't fancy <laughs> McKenna and Miranda's chances there. Um, this is the Costa TV podcast, so it's normally a trio and uh, it's now a twosome, but we'll make the best of it. And this could be the first podcast where... We don't get oh, anything don't wrong. It. Don't jinx it. Like I have it. now. I've set the bar up. As you know, because I run this site, people, I do get emails occasionally from PR companies wanting me to promote things. But I feel like I don't want to put this on the site. I feel like I want to make this a podcast exclusive. So this is something that means a lot to Matt and I. It'll mean a lot to you, and I want to share it with you now. On the 6th of April, we will all be able to own... Barging around Britain with John Sargent oh. on DVD. Thank oh. God for that! Oh. Oh. He come to deliver them. Oh, sorry! Just Hello, me. it's me! <laughs> Here's your DVD! <laughs> Barging in on your Sunday dinner. Oh. I've got a lot going on in my life now, Although but that there is... there is a bit of a turf war between John Sargent and uh, Timothy Weston Prunella Scales now. I know. Two Can canal barge programmes. Yeah, <laughs> you wait all year for two canal barge programmes, oh. and they put them both on in March. Yeah. But latest TV news previews and interviews. Uh, no, TV. I've got something wrong already. No! Latest TV. Ah! Luke, Gary, and Matt. Talking telly. On the Custard TV podcast. TV news, reviews, and previews. That's what we do on the Custard TV podcast. But we're uh, not going, news. Are we going west, going west this week? No? I thought we'd save the budget. I mean, there oh, is okay. an American show we're going to talk usually about. Usually we but... buy two seats anyway for Gary, don't we? So, you know, we could both. Yeah. Have... <laughs> and at least with us, we haven't got to worry so much about deep vein thrombosis. That's right. So. <laughs> First up, there's some BAFTA-related uh, hijinks. Uh, they have announced hijinks. Hijinks. They've announced the uh, Radio Times Audience Award, and this year, I think for the first time, there are seven nominees. I think it's usually five or six, isn't it? Um, have you voted already? No, um, but I know I who's going to win. It's going to be Game of Thrones. It's like Breaking Bad. I would love to go into a real ordinary shopping centre somewhere in this country and just stand there and go, have you actually seen Game of Thrones? Have you seen Breaking Bad? Because I would imagine no, that... No, no, you're right. It's a small percentage of people. The other shows on the list, like Bake Off, Strictly, EastEnders, which is an odd, which is an odd choice, I think. Um, you know, I suppose they've it had is... A, they've had a good year. Yeah, um, and uh, also on the list is Scylla. And there's there's one more drama. Uh, it's the one I voted for. It's The Missing. I mean, the missing. Doesn't, like, as you say, it doesn't stand a chance yeah. against the might of Game and, of Thrones. And, oh, but... The only one that might be able to beat Game of Thrones, uh, Sherlock, is the other nominee. Yeah. Uh, but Game of Th- I just I mean, I'm not a fan, so maybe it's just me being aloof, but... 
it mm. is a small percentage of the of the country that watches it. Is but that massive. Vol- I mean, I presume that if I was still living in America and I was a massive Game of Thrones fan, that there'd be nothing stopping me voting for it in mm. this after yeah. Radio Times it's, audience. It's, it's uh, odd to me that they put in two sort of similar shows in the Bake Off and Strictly because you know they're yeah. that same sort of audience. Whereas I would have maybe had Happy Valley in there instead, even maybe over the Missing because that was a big sort of event drama happy valley didn't it It became like a word of mouth drama and i'm not sure quite sure why Scylla's in there i enjoyed it i watched it all in one go when we went to the screening but i wouldn't have put it as one of the headliners of last year's tv if i was picking seven shows and i know Mm. it's picked by i don't know like a dozen or so tv critics but i don't see that's what confuses me about game of thrones being on there because who Mm. are the tv critics here that Game of Thrones. Anyway, that could be a whole different podcast. Yeah, just us yeah, yeah. moaning about the why, why do people like Game of Thrones? Well, I mean, I like Game of Thrones. I do like Game. No, but of you're Thrones, you're a northern nerd. I I wouldn't have put that maybe in there. I would have put no. maybe seven shows that are on you know British ter- terrestrial at least freeview channels celebrating British TV because I think that's what the Baftas should do. You can't really rank up Game of Thrones and EastEnders together. It's hard no, to rank those at the same they're, level. They're in, they're in different mm. spectrums of TV, I think. Whereas the yeah, other I six, I think you can rank up against it. You know, EastEnders, Bake Off, Strictly Missing, Sherlock and Scylla. I think you can, you know, rank those against each other to an extent. But I would have had something like a Happy Valley. Maybe even like, a, a, I mean, I think Educating Yorkshire was in there last year. So maybe Educating the East End. But even like 24 Hours in Police Custody, maybe. They have also announced the Craft Awards, which are sort of the behind-the-scenes awards. For example, music, makeup, costumes. Uh, there's one specific to title design, for example. The one who has garnered the most awards is uh, Sky Atlantic again. Their production, Penny Dreadful, which has sort of been nominated in a lot of the um, aesthetic ones, like the costume, I... like the hair yeah. and makeup, like stuff like that. Because this is a spin-off. I was a fan of the original Penny Crayon. I, I like that. <laughs> but Penny Dreadful about a teenage no years. Gonna, I could... no, no one under the age of about 20 uh, is going to yeah. get that. Penny Crayon can draw anything she likes. Like cats and dogs and crocodiles and juggernauts and bikes. But these magic drawings are not like any other. They walk and talk and come to life, creating lots of bollocks. We're not cool enough for anyone under the age of 20 to be listening anyway, are we, really? Uh, no. <laughs> the, the ones I think we're most interested in, in terms of what we talk about, there's the Director uh, Fiction uh, Award, so that's uh, that includes nominations for Happy Valley, for uh, Murdered by My Boyfriend, for Marvelous, and for The Honourable Woman. And then if we look down at the writing awards, there's two writing awards in drama. Some of our favourites in here, Sally Wainwright for Happy Valley, Jen McCurio for Line of Duty, Peter Bauke for Marvellous and Dennis Kelly for Utopia. I think four really good writers. And I mean, all of those are slightly different dramas, aren't they? I mean, Happy Valley and Line of Duty are sort of both crime dramas, but are very different to each other. And Utopia and Marvellous are completely different again. So, and they're all brilliantly written and I could not pick one over the other similarly the comedy award certainly three of our favourite comedies from the last year uh, Mackenzie Crook is nominated for uh, writing Detectorists Arthur Matthews and Matt Berry for Toast of London which I know we're not massive fans of but it's still a fu- you know it's a funny it's the, probably the funniest show out of the four listed here inside number nine uh, Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton and Matt Bainton and James Corden for The Wrong Mans. And also we should just give a quick uh, mention to our, our friend Chris Lunt who uh, wrote Prey. He's nominated for uh, Breakthrough Talent Award, which also includes uh, Regina Moriarty, who I think is the writer of Murder by My Boyfriend, who obviously we talked to the star of that one last week at the RTS Awards. Following up on something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the family guy... Was it moving to ITV? Was this based on you going to ITV, Luke, and seeing the... No, this was somebody else oh, okay. sending me a picture of the lift and yeah. saying, this is odd, why, yeah. why have they got that on the lift? 
And it's because it is now moving to ITV2. Now, mm. obviously, BBC3 are moving online. I don't know if that's obviously got something to do with it, because originally... I, well, I, it definitely has, unfortunately. Mm. It means that BBC... The, the term people have used to dis- promote this piece of news is that BBC3 is slowly being dismantled, mm. um, which is a shame, you know. Mm. But it means their acquisitions are certainly up for... Yeah, I mean, it's... it's a, again, it's a silly move, because that was one of the... You know, that was the most-watched programme on BBC3. A younger audience who are now going to gravitate towards ITV and ITV2 which, again, is, like, you know, our least favourite channel in the world. Yeah. Uh, but really? What about from, really? Really <laughs> and maybe Dave Javu uh, yeah. and Quest. Yeah. We don't talk about Quest enough on there. No, we don't, but, you know, or we movies should. movies for men. Just make Gary watch Quest for 24 hours and call it Gary Goes Quest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Also moving to ITV2 with Family Guy is Seth MacFarlane's other hit, uh, American Dad, and his new programme, which is called... Border Luke. Town. Also returning for a seventh series, or as ITV return, is Doc Martin. No surprise here. Massive, yeah. massive hit. Um, and a ratings winner every time it's on. But one piece of news that a lot of ITV bods probably aren't too happy about, and that's that... Uh, X Factor is sort of being bumped on Saturday nights for the Rugby World Cup in September, October time, I believe this, this isn't is. isn't officially official, but it's no. looking more like it, and yeah, we will bring yeah. it to you when it's officially um, official. So, because I, mean, I remember a week or so ago before this sort of came out, the executive producer of the X Factor was saying, oh, we've got some exciting changes this year, you know, um, it's going to be different, and I think he was alluding to the fact that certainly... Mm you know, a month's worth of the shows will be on Sunday and they will be combining, you know, the the live bit with the results show into one massive show. Does that mean every show will be the length of the first ever live show, you know, when they've got like yeah. 28,000 people to get to? Yeah, probably. And- if you remember back on Saturdays Gone uh, in the last series, they did do a couple of Saturday nights where they got rid of someone, didn't they? You know, it was only another sort of extra bit on the end of it so i wonder if they were sort of considering it then maybe thinking we might have to contend with the rugby world cup what we're going to do if that happens sort of thing um i've I've just realized on these cadbury's mini fingers on the front of the packet it just says it does say share together do you want one because I shouldn't be eating something that says well, share together got, on it on my I, own. I have got some Marks and Spencer's fruit gums. In what? Oh, you are so posh. You play this northern facade and then you've got M&S fruit gums. I, I had a £5 off voucher for M&S. That's why I went in there. Now um, you've ruined it. Now you've yeah, ruined it. Not really ever appealed to me it being on a Sunday no. night. Because um, no. it just doesn't have the same you know aura about it sunday night is mainly for your you know your country files your antiques road shows um things like of that nature and maybe you Brunella know scales on a boat Brunella scales on a boat um, <laughs> and pole dark in his pole dark with his top off yeah that's it okay <laughs> as long as we don't get uh louis walsh with his top off um oh, the God. other piece of news is that yet yeah, the only judge who sort of Coming back to this series looks to be Simon Cowell so far. Mm-hmm. Would you act the whole panel? I mean, Louis adds a sense of continuity to the whole thing, yeah. and he's he's charmingly bizarre. He's good entertainment, isn't he? He's good mm. sort of. He certainly enjoys it. He certainly yeah. enjoys being there more I, than I anyone mean, else. I, one of my highlights of the last series was him dancing to Uptown Funk. But he's in some sort of assisted living, yeah. and he's there Monday to Friday, and then every Saturday they let him out and have a bit of a dance. That's what I think. <laughs> That's the life of Louis Wolf. <laughs> oh, should we go west? Oh, hang on. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm prepared. Yes, go. Yeah, go. The reason that uh, Matt and I have come west is that James Corden, after a long time of promoting the show, the show, the Late Loot Show, finally started on Monday over on CBS to fairly warm responses from US critics. 
strong overnight ratings, beating Seth Myers on the other side. Ark at me sounded like I know what the devil I'm talking about. Matt and I saw the first episode which featured uh, James Corden chatting to Tom Hanks. And bear Mila, with me, this will be cut. Mila, Mila Kunis. She, I'm always thinking of Mila. I don't know why. She, yeah, I, I know. I, am. I was like, I think that's maybe why he got such a big audience. wasn't because of yeah. him, but because Mila Kunis was on. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Mila Kunis being on anything after, you know, that yeah. late at night, maybe. Yeah. You think, oh, uh, what's going to happen? Sort of audience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sort of pervy audience, I always think. Let's ignore the fact that this is on in the States mm. for a second. And just if James Corden had his own chat show here... And that was the first episode. What would your initial feelings be? I, I mean, I liked it. I think, um, obviously, we know James Corden on this side of the Atlantic. I think a lot of the positive reviews came from the fact that they didn't know sort of maybe his style and stuff like that. He did have that period of time where he got a bit too big for his boots after sort of He, he went through a off. period, yeah, yeah, when he was a little bit and cocky. Think, and, yeah, oh. and I think, though, now he's got to a place where he's quite self-effacing. He's quite, you know, mm. self-deprecating. Almost too much. Almost There was almost too many instances of him going you know i'm surprised i'm hosting this why am i hosting this you know do it once, i found that know. all quite humble though i must yeah, admit I, th- I think he just did it once too much you know it's 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 you know it's a good gag but it's almost too much if you know what i mean he was almost trying to be too mm. humble but isn't um, it a clever way of stopping the audience at home going well who the yeah, bloody hell is yeah this yeah person? no i agree and, with yeah. you but it almost yeah. was to his detriment after the third or fourth time he did it I, I enjoyed the show. I laughed several times. Before I watched it whole, I'd already seen the Tom Hanks clip, the one where, obviously, they're by the green screen and sing. I think yeah. it helped that the two guests he had on were sort of big stars who are good yeah. value for money yeah. in terms of... I mean, I've, I've seen Mila Kunis several times on Graham Norton. I'm sure you have. And, I'm sure and she's, you have. Mila Kunis is always good value for money and she, you know, she'll always play along. I liked as well how he didn't sit at the desk. Believe it or not, to have them both on the sofa at the same time is quite revolutionary. Yeah, no, I agree. I was thinking that as well. Obviously, that's another thing. But of course, that that depends on... That works brilliantly if the people on the sofa gel together as well. Mm -hmm. Because then you've got like a trio performing for the audience. If one of those people just doesn't gel, it can change the Mm -hmm. whole atmosphere. Even Graham Norton, who is pretty good at making everyone feel at ease he's had some awkward sofas where they just haven't got on and it hasn't quite gelled so I that think, could work when you get it work, when it. you get those sort of combinations because i yeah. think we all remember certain graham nortons with like lady gaga and june brown yeah. and will i am and miriam margulies those are two that yeah. spring to mind but at the same time i think when he gets guests who aren't on the sort of mega star level of Tom Hanks and Mila mm. Kunis when he gets sort of obscure recording artists who are plugging a CD or you know certain maybe actors you haven't heard of from a, like a drama exactly you're not going to get the same audience if you get Tom no. Hanks on the least engaging part of it was the sit down chat I know yeah. that's obviously, it's a chat show, and I know that's the whole point of a chat show, mm. but that seemed to be where he seemed more uncomfortable. There was a couple of gags that fell flat. Mm. But I think that'll come, you know, uh, I think it comes with experience. I mean, Graham Norton, if you remember when he started on Channel 4, he wasn't the most polished of questioners, no. but now he's on BBC yeah. One. He's sort of learned, you know, that come. you can't, you can learn that, you can't learn to have like a personality you can't like no, have this sort of affable personality you've either got it or you haven't and, and you know Corden for all of it maybe some of his faults has got that and that will work to his advantage and I think what you said about the sit down chat I mean obviously you've watched more of these US shows than I have these talk shows because you've lived over yeah. there um, I because I, I couldn't get to sleep at half past twelve well there you go <laughs> yeah but, uh, <laughs> All the clips we've seen from other other of these shows have been the bits that aren't sit down interviews. You know, yeah. for example, I'm thinking the Jimmy Fallon bits where it's the yeah, you know the, the bell or the lip the, the sync things or the Daniel yeah. Radcliffe thing. I was impressed overall, but obviously you're judging it on that first show where obviously a lot of work has gone into making this first show stand out. It will be on the eighth show and the eighteenth show and you know like the seventy seventh show you know, where the yeah. longevity will be for, for the the late show with James Corden. The 
there's not an awful lot of reviews this um, week, but we're I think so partial, committed to yeah, it. I think partially because Coalition has been moved back to Saturday, hasn't it? So yes, yeah. Um, I, I think there's, it's there's a yeah, debate, yeah. and I think it's better because I know Gary's big into his political things, so it'd be good for him to come back and talk about that. And no, we our, needed Gary for something. Our, our political correspondent will be back to talk yeah. about coalition next week. Speaking of Gary, uh, by reason of insanity, uh, Louis <laughs> Theroux uh, went to Ohio. He went west as well. He went to an Ohio facility where people were held. I suppose against their will. They were held uh, not in prison because they, they couldn't go to prison. They were held in a mentally mental facility uh, for the crimes they committed. Some, you know, really brutal crimes. Uh, we've been big fans on this podcast of Louis for a, for a long time. Uh, but now he's sort of in the last you know, five, six years, he's gone into more serious territory. He used to be sort of covering these things where he'd every now and again almost give a wink to the camera mm. about how bizarre the topic was. I remember was the, the, you know, he did, uh, the most recent one of that he did was the sort of the porn one where he went back and revisited <laughs> the yeah the porn stars yeah. he'd met before in, in yeah. you know, several years previously. Yeah, that was... That was made for uncomfortable viewing. Um, so I, I still will watch... I mean, Louis would do anything. He's got such a relaxed way of filming and he seems to be able to put his subjects at ease regardless of the topic they're going to discuss with him. Enjoy it, it's a bit odd, but did you find it fascinating or I, interesting? I don't know. I mean, I did. I was watching this while I was doing the dishes at the same time, you know, and I, I found myself sort of almost tuning out of it a little bit. Not to use the word dry, but it was literally just, you know, a, an hour, an hour and, of interviews, yeah. wasn't it? There wasn't yeah. a lot else. What I like about Louis Theroux documentaries as opposed to other documentaries is that it's very low on incidental music and things like that. Yes. I mean, this didn't dabble in sensationalism. I was thinking no. back to the Broadmoor documentary on ITV where it was very oh. much focusing on like fights and stuff and obviously there was that horrible I thing where watch everyone, that. It was just everyone's an hour face of blurry was blurred people. yeah, yeah exactly. I couldn't everyone's watch face it. was blurred out and stuff like that this is superior to that but i just felt usually with louis theroux documentaries i'm in there yeah. i i'm yeah. invested in and occasionally there were characters that i was quite invested in i liked the evangelist guy who sort of yes got enough to to go out of the asylum i like the i like the shock of learning that the the guy he met earlier selling the things in yeah. the, it turned out to be this guy who you know murdered two people when he'd been let out on yeah. day release, and I, I thought that was quite shocking. But generally, yeah. I don't know. I just found I I never really got into it in a way that I tend to yeah. with Louis Theroux documentaries. There were moments in there that will stick with me. There was a moment when uh, Louis speaks to the mother of the televangelist, and she she says, "Well, do you want me to admit I gave birth to a nut?" Mm. Which I thought was you know, was, you know, quite candid and, and difficult to watch. And yeah, because they were talking about him. him being on crystal meth when he was yeah. about 13, and that's what... Yeah, was, when he was uh, 12, or yeah. LSD when he was on... Yeah, 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 yeah. My life is rich. I'm doing well. I'm in my right mind. I'm aware of that. Before you went to Summit for the car chase, had you been hospitalised before that? Many times. Many times. Since the age of... 17 years old, 18 years old. I've been hospitalized several times. I've been I've, I've had six mental relapses. What happened when you were 17? I'll never forget it. How do you remember it, Beverly? I remember the school calling. <laughs> this is hard. I don't want to share tears. Tears are a sign of weakness. Hmm. The school oh, no. called and they said, uh, your son is acting different. And I said, how different? And they said, he thinks his dad is on the lawnmower mowing grass. He was paranoid, so I took him to a hospital to have him check him out, and, and they said he was very ill. And then it kind of went from there. I remember he said to me, he said, Mom, you, you've never wanted to admit. Admit what? That he's mentally ill or schizophrenic. And I said, you know what? And I never will. I said, do you want me to admit that I gave birth to a nut? He looked and he thought about it. He never said another word. There was a moment as well when the guy was just talking very candidly about 
murdering his dad. Just very ca- as if he was talking about taking the dog for a walk. He mm. was talking about, yeah. I killed my father. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I, I felt because I think the subjects were to an extent, you know, emotionally distant. I, I, you know, found them quite uh, distant. And, I mean, this sounds awful. You don't need comedic relief. No. In something like this, but there was no sort of let up of yeah. the sort of the tone. And uh, the, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I find through, you know, he's not, like, very uh, animated in the way that other documentarians are. I mean, that's no. sort, sort of his charm when he's dealing with the eccentric side of life. Obviously, he did mm. that documentary where he, like, spent time with, like, Paul Daniels and, obviously, Jimmy Savile as well. Yeah. Uh, and then did the stuff, like, you know, the porn one. He did the wrestling one, if I remember, as well. I saw uh, that. I've seen them all, I Yeah, think. yeah. I mean, and this was you know mid to late nineties when he sort of started yeah. to. But that was when he when he like I mentioned that was when he sort of would give a a sort of a wink to the cameras as mm. to say are these yeah. people for real? But and I think he's when older yeah. now I feel like mm. he he probably feels he can't do that so but, easily now. Well, he can't obviously do that as well with the subject matter. Certainly in this one, I think mm. you, when you've got someone who is quite serious like Louis Theroux is. That yeah. he works better when he's dealing with a, you know, a more sort of flashy, colourful world where he mm. doesn't sort of fit, if you know what I mean. Whereas yeah. he, uh, I mean, the people are quite distant and he's quite distant as well, which doesn't yeah. to me. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Make for you know it's interesting. The subject matter is interesting, but not necessarily. You know, I'm not necessarily drawn into it in the way that I am with other. You know, with his other documentaries. Stick on the whole uh, documentary side. Channel Four aired a brand new show on Tuesday night called Teens, and there's nothing that Matt and I love more than talking about teens of any age. I think though they they let us soundtrack this. The because... soundtrack was super. <laughs> I was like, yes. June, June, David no, no, Bowie. I think the the uh, most contemporary tune on there was uh, that White Stripes. We're going to be friends, which is from two thousand one. Was yeah. There was like um, you know Weezer, Buddy Holly, Blister yeah. in the Sun was on there. Yeah, Stay somebody Young, in that production team had the coolest iPod. Yeah, that I would modern, like to say. Yeah. Modern Love by David yeah. Bowie was on yeah. there. Um, uh, Buffalo Springfield was yeah, on there, yeah, Stab yeah, yeah. Baby. I love the fact that when the teens were watching it, they probably had no idea what no, any of the music was. But one of my only sort of quibbles with it was that surely if this was all about modern era teens, they should yeah. have had like a soundtrack with... Like, bit of Pitbull. Bit of Pitbull, <laughs> bit of Jason Derulo, <laughs> Swift, people yeah. like that. You know, rather Some Nico than, and Vince. Rather than like Jesus and Mary Chain. Uh, <laughs> it performed poorly at least in the overnights and i think that's might be down to the fact that it wasn't really heavily advertised there was a lot of confusion even from me about what this really was i don't think they sold it overly well in, in any promotion they did do there was two sort of plot lines being followed there was uh harry who was uh struggling to get on with his gcse's and trying to hide the fact a-levels, a long time since I've been to school. A-levels, not a long time since I've seen the programme, annoyingly, yeah. <laughs> but a long time since I've been to school. Um, so he was struggling with his A-levels and trying to, you know, not disappoint his parents. And then there was Jess, who was a twin, and she uh, was sort of an activist in a way, and she was trying to prevent 
page three models from continuing on yeah, in the newspaper. Yeah. The no more page it, three campaign. Basically, this follows these teens over a year of their lives. And bizarrely, uh, when it aired was the 24th of March. And I think the events of the first episode were the 24th of March last year, oh, wow. I believe. Um, so I mean, I, this, I def- this was yeah. This was originally going to be the last episode of the series as well. Oh, but I think it? I didn't know that. Yeah, this we've got all episode seven. I don't know if there were seven episodes. It was certainly going to be near the end of the series, mm. but I think they moved it up after looking at all of the episodes because yeah. I think this one certainly had in Jess has a very likable lead. It has somebody with something to say. Yeah, yeah, which is and... not what we associate with these quote-unquote, teen-focused mm. documentaries before. Even though, obviously, we're sort of almost a generation removed now from these teens, you know... Speak uh... for yourself, I still listen to Modern Love by David Bowie and Jesus <laughs> and Mary Jane. Speak for yourself! <laughs> um, <laughs> there are still some things certainly I can relate to, you know, when something happens... And it's yeah. like when you're 17, it's like the biggest deal it's in the, the world. It's the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, yeah, like obviously she got all this backlash after the woman from the page th- No More Page 3 campaign said something. Jess got all the backlash. But I think what the documentary was trying to say is whereas, you know, the gossip would eventually feed back to you maybe in a day or two, it's instantaneous now and it, there's a lot more of it because of Twitter and, and other forms of you know digital media and things like that i watched that making of thing that was on 4od and uh what they did was they give they gave them specially adapted phones and in these phones anything they shared with you know with each other was immediately sent over to the as you say digital rig and they were able to read everything here every conversation so they had their phones taken off them for the duration of the filming and these special phones given to them that fed everything. It's basically like, you know, Google. Mm. <laughs> Except it goes on telly. Yeah, but, I think um... for the most part, it sort of enhanced the overall sort of narrative of the episode. Occasionally, it was used too much for my liking, I think. But Yes, it was a bit too distracting. And I, I think what drew me and what kept me in, in this was, was, um, was Jess's story. Yeah, definitely. If it was all about Harry's story, I didn't like the way he would sort of I don't know what... Again, we're... we're so right. It was a we're bit a generation... of a stirrer. It was a stirrer, yes. You know, there were people like that when I was at school and at college. Hmm. But it's because of this uh, new digital era and, the you know, the messages and stuff. You had that whole thing about the way of sort of flirting now on social media and the... Yeah, I know. You know we should really once, give that a rest. Once you, should, <laughs> once you get up to, like, direct messaging a girl as yeah. only a certain time before, you know, you get a number and stuff like that. You know, when I was at school, it was like... Nobody talked to you. Exactly, apart from that, no. But what I'm saying is the only numbers usually was home phone numbers. So you've got that thing about maybe ringing this girl up and one of her parents answering the phone. Well, Uh, and maybe you didn't even pick up the phone because you were upstairs recording the charts on the cassette. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and it got to that pit part in like 45 minutes in where you you had to flip the tape over. (laughs) Or you would miss number 33. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We didn't get a lot of dates in school. No, we didn't. (laughs) And you can see why. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And and especially, as you say, the soundtrack was amazing. (laughs) I know. I almost just wanted to tune in for the soundtrack, to be fair. I think it was refreshing as well because, obviously, as I said, Jess has a twin brother. So it was nice to see their relationship. It was nice to see as well teens who had a good relationship with their parents i mean i know part of yeah. the story here was that jesse's parents were on holiday while she was while the, she was going through this and she mm. missed her pet you know it's not like oh i hate my mum and dad it's like i miss my mum yeah. and dad i wish they were here yeah. so i could have another shoulder to cry on there wasn't anything really sensationalist here there wasn't you know teens no. going out getting drunk and there was scenes of them drinking when you know jess had no. an empty house and had friends around yeah but they weren't getting drunk. And I think that is more of an accurate representation of everyday teenagers. From the home of TV news, interviews and reviews, this is The Custard TV. Can I just quickly talk about a couple of documentaries that you haven't seen? As we... Why, Matt? Why, if I haven't seen them, should I give them the time of day? Okay, then. Go. Okay. <laughs> no, what are they? Uh, one of them, which I know you're going to catch up on, is the Darrow, Brian and Edburn uh, documentary where they mm-hmm. uh, went along. They're following the Panam... Pa- 
I can't Are you having it. a stroke? <laughs> you, I should really follow all the procedures that we've set in place. Right. An American Highway. An American Highway. That Bloody hell, Gary. <laughs> uh, and they were following in the tracks of these guys who'd done it, I believe, in the 1950s. Obviously, at the time, there was a lot where in, in the 1950s where they were having to drag their car through rivers and stuff, which have now got you know, those bridges and stuff, so it's a lot, more, lot easier for them to do. What I liked about this was the camaraderie between Ed and Dara. Obviously, they're old friends, so there was a lot of, you know, banter, and that was nice. And it, I, I, I think I learned something about, like, the area, the different Mexican customs. There was a darker side about, you know, immigrants from Guatemala on the way to the US and the, tra- the massive trains they travelled on and the sort of dangers of that. There was, a, there was, like, sort of more comedic moments, like with the Mexican wrestling it was an easy watch. I really enjoyed it. And I think it's got a good balance between, as we said, the comedic side and the, and the more serious nature of it. And I think you'll get more of that when they go into some of the countries, you know, that you don't tend to see on documentaries, like they're going to Guatemala and they're going to Belize and places like that. Uh, and they're ending up uh, at Panama. So it'd be interesting to see. And I know you're going to catch up on that one at some point. Aren't yeah. You? On BBC Three, uh, Tom Felton from Harry Potter did a documentary about uh, superfans, uh, basically where he went round various... Com- well, I, I think the Dyson one is pretty good. I must, you know, because it's got no blades, and you, you could even put your hand through it, and it won't attack you. Puns, really, that... Luke? Puns? Gary's not here, we've got to do puns. <laughs> You're better than that, Luke. I'm really not no, today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to listen to Modern Love in my headphones while you talk. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this was basically, it was an hour of him, sort of half of it was him trying to understand what it meant to be a super fan. He visited the house of the guy who's essentially the biggest Harry Potter fan in the world, who spent, I believe it was about $30,000 on Harry Potter memorabilia or something like that. Um, And he did, he went to a convention in... Uh, America where he you know was a talking head and then the other side of it was that he went undercover with a like a notorious autograph hunter he went to another he went to I believe Comic-Con in Birmingham where he sort of went with some other people who sort of dress up at these conventions so he could go sort of incognito nerds uh, you mean nerds nerds yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, he was sort of comfortable with meeting the people obviously it was very selective because it was him hosting it. So, yeah, you know, I think the thing was portray him as a nice guy at all times. He wanted mm. to find out why he's got his own super fan who's like this middle-aged woman and he wanted to find out why is she so interested in, like, you know, when they first met a 17-year-old boy. What I don't think he did was go into depth into the darker side of the super fan. There was a couple of moments where he... um for example, he got a marriage proposal. There was another moment where a fan handed him a post-it note to give to Nile from One Direction. Yeah. And and at both of these moments, you thought, well, maybe we'll get, you know, something darker. And it, always, it almost felt always a little bit lightweight. There wasn't anything below the surface. It was an enjoyable watch, but I don't think it was sort of a, as a balanced documentary. It was all about super fans are doing this for a reason. You know, they got bullied at school. That's why they like Harry Potter or things like that. There wasn't any sort of balance between the two sides. But I thought Tom Felton did a good job. Okay, so that is almost it. But we've got one more thing to discuss. Uh, Inside number nine, who, which said, what is your name? (laughs) I nearly called you Tom, man. You've been talking so long (laughs) about Tom Felton. (laughs) My name's Matt. I've never forgotten your name before. What's going on? Okay. (laughs) Inside number nine, which Matt <laughs> mentioned earlier, is up for a craft award. He's back for a second series. Uh, you may remember that actually this second series was uh, commissioned by the Beeb before this the first one had gone out, so they had faith in it. The second series began with an episode called La Couchette. It's always nice for us to speak a bit of German on the podcast, I think. And um, it featured Mark Benson, Jack Whitehall, Jessica Gurning from What Remains. She was in the she was in the cellar the whole time. Uh, Julie Hesmental of Corrie, and of course Steve Pemberton and Richie Smith, the men behind Inside Number Nine. 
The premise here is that these people are all on a sleeper train going through a European country. I forget which. France? Um, yeah. The Mark Benton and Julie Hesman Hot. How do you say it? I don't know. Julie, Jules. Jules. Julie Jules. He- Hesman Hot. Hayley without a penis. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Playing a couple who were going to yeah. their daughter's, the daughter's wedding, wedding in Paris. Uh, Reese Smith is playing, Smith is, a, is doctor playing a doctor who's, who's got an important interview we don't know the origins of Steve Pemberton's character, at least at the beginning. Jack Whitehall is playing Jack Whitehall, who uh, gets on the train and sort of away. tries to you know, stow away without a ticket. What I have always liked about any of the Inside Number 9s, there were, there were good ones and there were not so good ones, but what I like about all of the whole strand is that the whole time, you're not really sure where the story is going. You've got these people sort of huddled together on a passenger train in in close proximity then uh, this guy dies so it's it's a bit of murder on the Orient Express no one's been in or out of the room so you know who's killed him has, has he been killed has he just died do they tell anyone if they tell anyone does that mean the train will get stopped and they'll miss their final destinations and the whole time you go well all very good you've only got half an hour where is this going to go we get a resolution now if you haven't seen the episode I don't want to spoil the ending for mm. you, so look away now. Smith's character is uh, looking forward to this important interview he's got. We learn in the final moments of the episode that the guy who was killed, Rhys Shearsmith killed him, presuming that he was his rival in the interviews. But we then we later learn in the last minute of the show that it's actually Steve Pemberton's awful mm. farting character that it is actually um, Which I thought was rival. a good twist. And I like... I, I get twist. the impression that with these, they almost try and work backwards. Because I always feel like there's that sense of unease when you finish Throughout. watching it because mm. of the twist. I mean, we've both seen the second episode with Sheridan Smith as well, where I got yeah. the, a similar you know, feeling mm. after it had ended. Um, I, I mean, I think... I, I think I know what you're going to say on this, but I just, I, I sort of, I think I liked it more than you did. I, I, I think Jack Whitehall to me was the element that didn't quite work with it. He seems to be there to up the, you know, the celeb count. I thought uh, Julie and Mark's couple were believable as this, you know, yeah, these normal down to earth people who were on their way to the daughter's wedding. I didn't have as much of a problem with Pemberton's character's flatulence as you did. I know it's a bit sort of base humour, but again, it, I mean, this is a comedy at the end of the day, so... What, um, and you liked farting? Matt, look, you liked farting? There wasn't... We haven't much, got this there, far. There, there if, wasn't if too... Just... The, yeah, but there's not... There wasn't too much of it. You know, it didn't happen constantly. It wasn't mm. overdone, I don't think. And I think you think it was. I know you know that I think this, but for the purposes of people who aren't us and may listen to the podcast uh reese shearsmith isn't that good as an actor that's difficult for me to say because i i've only really seen of their things i've only inside number nine and and subsequently the widower and traditional shadows are the only things of reese's that i've seen so maybe i shouldn't say such a derogatory comment but i always think you can tell that pemberton and shearsmith have got great minds. I mean, they write this. They they have to have, mm. but the characters he plays always seem a little bit 
too similar to me. Well, I think they're all a bit sort of cold and detached, and he can't... I'm trying to think of, like, a warmer... I mean, in League of Gentlemen, he played the only sort of normal character who was Benjamin, um... But I, I mean, I like. I think I like him more than you because I mean, I followed their career through yeah. Yeah. League of Gentlemen, through Psychoville, and mm. I think Reese's Reese's characters. You know, he's done a lot of the sort of the female characters. He played mm. Maureen Sourbutts in Psychoville. I think he did really well in that. I think he has got a bit more range than you give him credit for. But certainly, in terms of the characters he's played in Inside Number Nine and in The Widow and Chasing Shadows, they're all quite cold detached yeah. characters who you can't relate to whereas Pemberton's are a bit warmer and a bit you know he, he gets a bit more life out there, a bit more sort of thing but again in, in this particular episode it worked and I think they sit down and go you know if we've got a serious character then Reese is going to play him if we've got a more sort of you know a character a German guy who's going to fart all the time Steve's going to play him Mm. I, I think if this was episode seven of series one, for example, it wouldn't be one of my favourite episodes. No. Of I mean, the I don't think we like the sardines episode that much. And again, this no. sort of rings. I, I think there's a lot of similarities. There's that, and there's also the one with the balloon from the last series. Those are the two that I would equate this first episode of series two to. Yeah. In terms of there's this thing about you know we could stop the train, but you know, there's this, there's this reason, there's this reason, you know, everyone doesn't want to I do stop. like the fact that, you know, it's half an hour, it's a very well-paced half an hour. Yeah, because yeah, definitely. Sometimes in half an hour things you, you think, well, hang on, they've got 15 minutes left and they haven't told us the story yet. And this just, they tell that story really well, it's well-paced. You, I like the air of ambiguity, you don't quite know what you're, you know, what you're seeing or what it's truly about. But yeah, I, I think Inside Number Nine, as you say, we've seen episode two now. We've both got um, feelings about that um, that we will discuss. I've also now seen episode three, which I wasn't a massive fan of. No. Let's do the previews and then we will get in touch with how you can contact us on the old Twitter spheres, Facebook, you know, personal phone numbers, all that. We'll do it in a sec. Grinder. Um, so, Tinder. In the previews for last week, we did mention Coalition, uh, which was going to be on Thursday. Uh, Channel 4 didn't liaise with us, tell us, no. before we recorded no. that podcast, that they just decided to move that into the schedule. I am surprised they're putting this on Saturday. Uh, Saturday. Yeah. It just seems a quite obscure thing to do. I can't remember the last time Channel 4 had anything of note on a Saturday night outside of, you know, a big film or something. But Although, that is... like, what's the competition, the voice results, and you're back in the room? Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's watch a drama. It's better than bloody anything yeah. else. Let's time. watch a drama. <laughs> In fact, let's just go to B&Q and watch some paint dry. Um, or nine o'clock if... at night? Well, some B&Qs may be open. What I would say, if you're concerned, contact your local B&Q. <laughs> well, if you want to do it now, you know, you can pause it, ring them, let us know by Twitter... If your local one is open, then if mine isn't, we can go together to yours. Monday, The Ark, which is a one-off religious e-drama about Noah starring uh, David Threlfall, who was most recently Tommy Cooper. I I don't think it can beat the uh, audacious nature of the Russell Crowe Noah film that was on last Mm. year, which featured a Uh, 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 Jewish Ray Winston. Um, but I think I, I'm not quite sure why why this is. Who's written this again? It's someone Tony Jordan. Tony Jordan, yeah. Who did the? Um, did he do one about the nativity story as well? If I remember, he did. yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure what the point of having this is though. But it's a, a good cast at least, so it'll be interesting to see. But no animals in it. No. I, oh, okay. No animals. I thought they were supposed to come two by two. They are. They come nil by nil in this. Um, maybe it had something to do with animal rights protesters. Probably. Uh, Channel 4, Travel Man with Richard Ioadi, obviously sort of a build on Gadget Man, um, where this is where he goes on holiday. This first episode is joined by Kathy Burke and they go to Barcelona. And there's also an interesting documentary on BBC Three uh, about the Charlie Hebdo aftermath, which I'm sure will be really sort of sensitively handled as a lot of BBC Three documentaries are. We spoke in the last podcast that ITV Encore had bought the rights to the US remake of Broadchurch. They named it Grace Point, showed it on the Fox network. It sort of 
you know, didn't make a big splash. But you can now see it for yourself if you're an ITV Encore subscriber. That is um, Wednesday at 10. If you want to talk to us on Twitter, I would absolutely love to hear from you because I'm just that no lonely. Uh, yeah, at Luke Custard TV is the is the Twitter handle. Is that the right word? Yeah. Twitter handle. It's I'm so name. down with the kids. I don't even know. Yeah. You just start listening to uh, "Stay Young" by Oasis. You know you're that down uh, by the down with the kids. Uh, um, I'm at Matt's TV Bites, by the way. Yeah. Um, and Gary, we should give a quick mention to. He's not here this week, but that doesn't mean that you can't keep up with all his holiday snaps, which will just basically be pictures of him watching TV. I'd imagine. <laughs> at the Gary, <laughs> at the Gary Show uh, is his Twitter handle there. Uh, also, if you'd like to, you can give us a quick like on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash the cast hey, TV. And if you like, if you like us in the next sort of couple of days or so. You will be our 150th like. So there you go. That is the Custard TV podcast. We are now available through Spreaker, iTunes, and SoundCloud as well. If you Ooh. want to find us there, we're, we're basically we're we're like a podcast virus. We're Ooh. not so much. We're everywhere. We'll be on MySpace. We're everywhere. Oh, um, quickly as we, as we close, have we got any idea of who's going to replace Clarkson on Top Gear? There was talk of Jody Kidd. Was, was there? And Chris Evans is another talk as well. And also uh, Ant, but not Deck. I heard, overheard yes. at the RTS. Awards. Really? Except we don't know where Gary is. No, you know? we don't officially know where Gary oh. is. Oh, <laughs> he could be in that air. You know, he live yeah. as far as we know. He does live in an aircraft hangar, so <laughs> <laughs> it might be that very one. If you present dinner late to Gary, I think you'll get a similar <laughs> response. <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't listen to this back. No, he won't. He won't. Don't worry. Uh, you can download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. We thank you once again for listening. I've been Luke. He's been Matt. And as he says, it's time to shake it off. I stay out too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. That's what people say. I go on too many dates. <laughs> but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm-mm. That's what people say. Mm-mm. But I keep on cruising. Can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like I got this music in my mind. Saying it's gonna be alright. Cause the player's gonna play. Play, 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 play. And the hater's gonna hate. Hey, 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 Fake, 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 shake it off, shake it off, shake it off, ooh, can I just say, I see now why I normally do these solo, I feel like, and this is only from my point of view, but I feel like I was into that way more than that, I feel that there was some sort of um, cataclysmic time delay as well. That, you know, <laughs> it was almost like we were on the phone to Australia all of a sudden. Download this podcast from thecustardtv.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.